everybody, and thanks for connecting with us for our first episode of the Healthy Trucking Podcast, sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America. I'm Greg Thompson from Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo, and I'll be walking with you as we meet and learn from a series of very interesting guests, including medical experts and trucking industry professionals. We'll be discussing timely topics, all designed to help the road become a little smoother and healthier as we all navigate our way in a post-COVID world. Our first guest is Dr. Jeffrey Redinger, an incredibly accomplished professional whose resume has the length and depth of a million-mile safe driver. Now, folks, check this out. Dr. Redinger is an assistant professor at the Harvard Medical School. He's also a licensed physician and board-certified psychiatrist, and he is a medical director at the McLean Hospital in Massachusetts. In addition to his medical background, he also holds a Master of Divinity degree from Princeton's Theological Seminary. Now, folks, as you'll hear during this episode of the Healthy Trucking Podcast, Jeff, whose brother is a professional truck driver, is an expert on strengthening the body's immune system, and he's written a best-selling book that involves over 15 years of research on the topic. We caught up with Jeff through a Zoom connection following his afternoon of teaching classes at Harvard. Dr. Jeffrey Rediger joins us now on the podcast. And as you heard in the opening, Jeff, you are a man of many talents and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, Jeff, let's start right there. I mentioned in the opening, you're a professor at Harvard. You have an MD. You also have a Master of Divinity. Very diverse background. How do all of those influences work with each other? The truth is, Even though as a physician, I was taught to prescribe medications, and that is really important, there's more to health and well-being than just taking medication. So my background in seminary from Princeton, where I had a chance to go deep into theology and philosophy of science, and think hard about what it means to be a human being, what it means to survive different kinds of traumas, that foundation provided a way to understand the larger aspects of our lives beyond just taking medication. And those are factors that are so important when you're working with patients and human beings. And yet, as a physician, we don't get a lot of training in. Absolutely. And when we think about your different paths here, I find it very interesting. Why did you decide to pursue medicine, teaching, and religious studies, because there are many similarities here, more than people might realize, yet those are very divergent paths that take deep study. Yeah, that's a good question. This started a long time ago when I was very young. I was born into a family where my father had been raised Amish, grew up on a farm. My parents moved out of the Amish community when I was two years old, but they moved out in an outward sense, but not so much in an inner sense. And so I was going to public school during the day and then going back home to my family in the evenings and back to the farm, but living in a really different world at home than I was experiencing at school. So in school, I'm studying science and math and social studies and reading literature. At home, the Bible was thought to be sufficient for all knowledge and science was suspect. Teaching about evolution was thought to be a big problem. A lot of the books I was reading in literature were suspect and worldly, according to my family. And so those two worldviews were not compatible. And that was very confusing to me as a child. So I began from an early age trying to figure out how you reconcile these different worldviews. I rebelled. 
I was a difficult kid to raise. I was also suffering a lot, hurt and angry. I rebelled and went to college. Then that began another process of trying to come to terms with these different worldviews and how to reconcile them. That then took me into seminary at Princeton, where I had an additional chance to continue trying to figure this stuff out and resolve the confusion that was very deep within me. While I was in seminary, I began to realize that science is a great gift. Science is created as an important opportunity for us. Medicines are important. Vaccines are important. And I do prescribe medicines every day. They save lives. But I also was able to recognize on the basis of my training in seminary that that's not the whole story. Medicines help us tread water. They can save us from dying in an acute situation and they can extend life. But there's a lot more to health and well-being than just taking medication. So seminary and medical school and then training in psychiatry were just really great opportunities for me to see the larger wholeness of health and well-being and who we are as human beings, basically. Well, Jeff, as I hear your story, one, it's fascinating. Two, it requires deep thought on your part. And I know that in your book is really centered on the power of the mind. And as you're going through these disciplines, was that really your first deep dive into just how powerful a mind can be in terms of moving in different directions and looking at healing as a holistic piece? Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. So back in 2002, an oncology nurse at Mass General came to me and said that she had just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and wanted me to help explain this to her son. Pancreatic cancer is a terrible cancer to get. It's one of the worst cancers. People typically die very quickly with a brutal, painful ending after the diagnosis. So I did work with her to explain this terrible diagnosis to her son. She took off to a healing center and then began to call and write me saying that she was experiencing healing and hoped that because of my dual background in medical school and seminary that I would look into it. And I said, no, I was a new young medical director at McLean Hospital, new faculty member at Harvard. And I doubted that anything was going on that couldn't be explained by the traditions of science. But I owe a lot to Nikki. She was very stubborn. She began to have other people call and write me from around the country and elsewhere saying that they experienced these amazing healings and did I want to look at the medical records? I said no for a while, but people then did begin to send me their medical files and they wanted to know if I wanted to hear their stories. Sometimes they would send these long typewritten or handwritten accounts of what they'd experienced. Some of their stories I could explain on the basis of my training as a physician. The long and short of it is some of the stories I couldn't explain. So in 2003, I began to look more deeply into these stories. And I had three strict criteria. Number one, the person that had to have a genuinely incurable illness, according to all that we currently understand. Number two, they had to have medically indisputable evidence for accurate diagnosis and clear evidence for recovery. And number three, there needed to not be some good reason to explain how they got better, whether it was an experimental medication or something else. The long and short of this is this has been a long professional and personal journey for me. And it's changed the way I think about all kinds of things as a doctor and as a human being. I've seen amazing things. It's completely revolutionized the way I work with patients now. 
It's completely revolutionized the way I think about the possibilities that exist within all of us. It turns out that medical evidence is very clear. There's a lot more possibilities within us that we often are not aware of. And I believe we have a duty in medicine and psychiatry to be helping people realize that and experience that and find pathways to health and well-being that we typically have not studied or considered. And your book, which was based on 15 years of research, it's titled Cured, Strengthen Your Immune System and Heal Your Life. And of course, during this podcast, we're talking about strengthening your immune system on the road. Now let's get back to the power of the mind as the topic of the moment, because what you just shared, I think is so valuable. And it's something that people in the last few, maybe 10 years are beginning to recognize is that your mental state, whether it's seasonal affective disorder or a whole bunch of different things can definitely affect how you feel physically. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, and let me just first say, I have so much respect for truckers. My brother, who I love dearly, is a trucker. He and I talk constantly about these kinds of issues. Truckers are the lifeblood of this country. They've been the lifeblood of this country. If the highways of this country are the arteries and veins of this country, then truckers are the lifeblood. And during the pandemic, that's been abundantly clear who are the ones getting all these needed supplies everywhere? It's our truckers. And I see every day how hard my brother works, how hard his colleagues work, and just want truckers to be given the credit that they deserve, that you all deserve for all that you do. It's a huge service. I want truckers to be valued. It's such a difficult job. Truckers have the lowest life expectancy of any career out there. 61 years of age is the average life expectancy. That's lower than it is for firemen, for any other career. Truckers are 1% of the population, but they comprise 25% of all workplace-related deaths. And that's an astonishing percentage. And so more than any other profession, we need to honor those who are carrying our supplies around the country. We need to find a way to value more concretely all the work that our truckers do. And that's a personal mission of mine to see us do better with that, not just in terms of physical health, but also in terms of knowing one's value. There's so many pressures on a trucker's life that affect health and well-being. There's dispatch that's on your case all the time. There's getting paid many times by the mile instead of per hour. And so if there's a problem on the road with a traffic jam or you're sitting at the dock waiting to get unloaded, you're the one that's suffering the burden of that. It's the long hours. It's a sedentary lifestyle. It's being away while your kids or your wife or your loved ones are having birthdays or soccer games or anniversaries. There's so many things. Many of us who've been in that world, we're running from something too. There's trauma, trauma both from childhood or from adult life, or just the traumas of dealing with that difficult of a job. There's a lot to run from. There's a lot of things that aren't addressed. So we need to have respect for our truckers and all that it takes to just get through a day. Obviously, you spent a lot of time talking to your brother and you've spent a lot of time looking into this industry. As you look at it and as you look at how you've approached things through your life, through your work, through your book, 
let's talk a little bit about how we can take the power of a mindset and apply it to help to address some of those hurdles that drivers face on a daily basis. Yes, that's a big topic. I think certainly positive thinking is important in terms of getting through a day, being optimistic when we can, but also being realistic about the challenges that we do face. I think if there's one message that I want a trucker to hear, I want them to be able to experience their value and not question whether they're good enough or defective in some way. This is something I see over and over again, how that wears down the body and the spirit. And so it's really true that our minds do affect how we experience ourselves in the world and they affect how our day feels to us. The more we can help each person in the trucking industry experience what's right and good about who they are, realize that it's just simply not true, that they're not good enough. These are issues that affect every human being, not just truckers, but it's so important with the stresses that the trucking industry is full of that we have the kind of faith and hope that allow us to get through the day and experience the truth and dignity of what each of us brings into the world. Well, Jeff, you're absolutely spot on with everything that you shared right there. One of the things that I've found, and I've been around this industry now for 24 years, is that even on the toughest day or the most difficult circumstance, the most successful drivers are able to step back, take a breath, and even laugh at a situation. Having a sense of humor, having a deep sense of humor, and I'm sure your brother has had situations where he's had a laugh, and I see you're smiling right there. So tell us about the value of being able to smile through adversity. That's a big deal, physiologically. Many of us, it turns out in the research, are living in chronic fight, flight, or freeze. And so that means that our nervous systems are secreting stress hormones that are bathing our beautiful immune system cells and the other cells in our body. And our bodies, it turns out, respond very differently depending on the chemical environment that we create in our bodies. So if we are in a chronic state of anxiety or a chronic state of fight, flight, or freeze, where the stress hormones are being secreted on our immune system or on the other cells of our body, that means cortisol, norepinephrine, adrenaline are causing our bodies to react in a way that they can't heal. So we know on the basis of clinical research and laboratory research that when our bodies are in that kind of chemical environment, the cells of the immune system and the cells in our brains and our bodies begin to misfire and they begin to attack each other instead of, for example, an infection. So the immune system cells are brilliant. They have all kinds of brilliant subtypes that go after infections and that sort of thing. But when they are in that kind of chemical stress environment, they begin to make mistakes and they begin to attack our bodies instead of the infection. When we are in a more relaxed state where we can experience our value, where we can experience love, for example, instead of anxiety and fear, we create a very different chemical environment. Our immune system cells and the cells of our brains and body love being bathed in the healing hormones and chemicals of oxytocin, which is the love molecule, dopamine, which is the pleasure pathway, serotonin, the antidepressant molecule. These kinds of chemicals create a very different chemical environment and our cells wake up. They begin to function correctly. They attack the infection, whether it's a virus or bacteria and that sort of thing, instead of making mistakes and attacking the body. 
So that's really a very clearly documented research finding showing how the power of the mind to experience love and connection and a more relaxed state heals instead of hurts. So when we talk about the pressures of the job and the pressures of the lifestyle as you laid out, and every driver who's listening to this knows, one of the things that we just hit on here is no matter what is going on in the world and how difficult it is, and there are difficult days, the value of smiling, the value of taking a deep breath, of laughing. What are some of the other things that professional drivers can do to embrace the brighter side of life, to again, acknowledge the challenges that they have, one of which is that they're in this very confined space away from home, and that space can get smaller and smaller and smaller, depending on how the world's pressures are. So all of the things that you laid out earlier in terms of pressures of the job and the lifestyle and all that, as we said, everybody knows that, but in your professional opinion, in your experience in studying in this industry and in talking with your brother, a family member who you dearly love and want to make sure that he's doing well, what advice, what thoughts do you have for people to have better, brighter days out there on the road? It's a great question. I think the more that we can create this chemical environment where we can experience love and connection with the people we see, maybe we're not able to see our loved ones today because we're on the road for a few days or for a week or a few weeks. But what we can do is make sure that the contact we have with, say, someone at the cash register at the truck stop or that we're interacting with while we're driving make sure that we can experience an authentic, loving connection with that person, whether it's for 30 seconds or for longer. We know on the basis of the research that genuine connection and letting ourselves experience a loving feeling towards somebody, even if it's a stranger, that's great for our immune system. So try to do that. Even if it's just 30 seconds, we know that physiologically that puts us into this chemical environment that our body responds to, that our immune system loves, that it releases the oxytocin molecule of love, the antidepressant molecules. Our body loves that. And it doesn't have to be just your long-term life partner or your children. That can happen with a loving smile and connection with the person at a cash register. So my mother and all our moms told us at one point in time, be kind to your neighbor, be kind to the people that you meet. We live in a time when, while we are away from family and friends, we have Zoom, we have FaceTime, we have multiple ways of being in front of people, actually seeing faces, and the ability to reach out like never before. That's right. What we know on the basis of the research is that authentic connections really work. So I'm not a big fan of forcing happiness or trying to make something happen that we don't feel. I think we have to acknowledge our true feelings, but we can also realize that we can accept our feelings and also try to have a generosity of spirit and compassion for ourselves and others and to be authentic about that. And that's something that allows us to connect with others in a way that's liberating for us physiologically as well. So Jeff, we've spent the majority of our time here talking about different ways that our mindset, our approach in our lives can have a positive impact on our immune system. And as you know, we're trying to live in a post-COVID world. As you rightly pointed out, truck drivers were on the front lines of the supply chain, keeping America's shelves filled long before COVID got here. Sure were. 
and they've done it throughout COVID, and now they're doing it in a post-COVID world. We're here talking about how to uplift your immune system, how not to have it compromised. So let's talk a moment about boosting your immune system in a post-COVID world. Well, there's a lot of different ways to do that, but I'm going to give one really important one. Part of that is the American diet. This is a big topic that we can spend hours talking about. I'm just going to give one piece here that I think is critical. If one wants to begin boosting the immune system, one way to do that is to begin sharply limiting the amount of sugar we put into our bodies. Now, there's a lot to this. 100 years ago, the average American consumed four pounds of sugar a year, no big deal. The average American now consumes 154 pounds of sugar a year. Our bodies were not created to take in that kind of sugar load. So what happens is when a person has that much sugar going regularly through the arteries of our bodies, these sharp little sugar granules cause little cuts on the inside of the arteries as they go coursing through the bloodstream. Those little cuts cause the immune system cells to rush to the side of that cut and begin repairing the cut. That creates a scab. And then because the sugar load is high, you end up with a scab on top of a scab and you end up with scabs on top of scabs. And that's what we call atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis isn't just cholesterol, it's scab on top of scab. And so that's what is connected with heart disease and with all kinds of risks for early death and disability and problems. So one really important way to begin healing the immune system and creating a vital, strong, robust immune system that doesn't have all of these immune cells diverted towards fixing these cuts and creating scabs is to cut down on sugar. When one begins to pay attention to this, you start to realize that sugar is in pretty much most of the stuff we eat these days. I read a report recently that Subway, the fast food Subway, the Supreme Court of Ireland recently determined that Subway can no longer tax their bread as bread because the sugar content is so high, for example. So it's no longer allowed to be called bread. <laughs> so, so one way, one simple big way to begin allowing chronic inflammation to be reversed in our bodies and to create the possibility for healing and create a stronger immune system is to begin sharply cutting down on sugar and also cutting down on refined flours in the breads. Most of the breads, even if it's called whole wheat bread, isn't usually. It's refined flours, which refined flours or enriched flours are basically sugar. So refined flours and sugars are two really important ways to begin cutting down on the sugars that are creating such massive amounts of disease and obesity in our country. What other steps can drivers take to protect themselves from the potential long-term effects of COVID? Good question. The United States is 4% of the world's population, but we consume by far the largest proportion of medications. Medications are really important. I prescribe medications every day. They save lives. They're just not the only piece that's important to health. I do believe in vaccines. I've seen how much they prevent death. As the chief of behavioral medicine in one of the hotspot medical hospitals for COVID. So I've seen the differences between people who get vaccinated and those who don't, and the amount of people who die versus when they're vaccinated versus not vaccinated. There's a significant difference in the death rate. So even though I know there's issues around all of this and it's not a perfect world in terms of vaccinations and there are some risks, overall the health factors associated with preventing death 
definitely are on the side of taking a vaccination. That's one thing. But again, like I said earlier, health and well-being are not just about getting a vaccination or taking a medication. It's also about healing the stress factors in our lives, the things that cause us to have this chemical environment in our bodies that's stress-related because the stress hormones are being secreted too much of the time. We need love in our lives. We need kindness for ourselves and others in our lives. We need compassion. We need chances to smile and to laugh and to not take things so seriously, to create that kind of chemical environment in our bodies so that the immune system can heal. We need healthy nutrition in our lives and to find ways that we don't have so much sugar, for example, in our diets. And I know that's harder when one's mostly eating out of truck stops or fast food restaurants. But as a physician who thought I knew a lot about nutrition, it turns out I didn't until I worked with these people who had such amazing recoveries. I know that although it takes a lot of work to begin understanding what genuine nutrition is, that work pays off in a huge way. I lost 40 pounds myself just simply by studying nutrition intensively and beginning to realize that what I thought I knew I was wrong about. <laughs> I had a lot to learn and that education paid off and I lost 40 pounds just by not eating less, but by just eating nutritional foods. And my taste buds changed. I feel a lot better. I'm healthier now than I was 20 years ago. And I will never go back because I just feel so much more alive and vital. And my immune system is so strong now as a result. It's all about taking that first step, isn't it? It is. So for those folks who are listening to this right now and they want to say, Jeff, I want to follow that light. I want my body to have a positive impact on my immune system. What are some of the first steps that they can take? And what are the first signs that they're going to feel from the first steps that they take? Yes. Great question. I think this thing about sharply curtailing the amount of sugar and refined flours in our lives is really important. I had the privilege, fortunately, of being able to do this slowly because I was overweight for a long time, but I didn't have any chronic diseases that were forcing me to do this right away. So I had so much to learn. I'm fortunate in that way. So the changes I experienced were slower. Other people who I've seen who've told me their remarkable stories, sometimes they had an awful diagnosis with a limited amount of time within which to deal with their issues. And so they made these changes much more rapidly than I did. But the benefit of that was they also experienced the change and how much better they felt within two weeks or a month. So that's very reinforcing when you eliminate sugar from your diet, for example, and all of a sudden you start to realize, wow, in 30 days, I've lost 10 pounds and I feel better than I have felt in 20 years. That's a huge reward that makes a person want to continue making those changes. I made my changes more slowly, so I experienced the benefit more slowly, but it was also easier to take one small step at a time. So different strokes for different folks in different situations, but that's a big one. That allows us to begin helping the immune system cells live in a different chemical environment and begin to flourish instead of constantly struggling. So that's an important part of the solution. Jeff, we've really enjoyed spending this time with you. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I think of all the different aspects and factors associated with healing that I've been able to observe and document for the last 18 years, the most important one is about healing our identities, healing our false beliefs, so that we can begin waking up to the dignity and value of who we are 
Every person, no matter who we are, brings something important and good into the world. And it's simply not true that some bring something of more value than others into the world. We all do. We all have something of unrepeatable dignity to bring into the world. And the more we can help each other experience that and to see that in ourselves and each other, that's what begins to create healing possibilities and more well-being in our lives and helps us get through the day. That's Dr. Jeffrey Redinger with his closing comments on the debut episode of the Healthy Trucking Podcast, sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And we'd also like to take this opportunity to invite you to visit HealthyTruck.org, the website for Healthy Trucking of America. HealthyTruck.org is filled with information and resources that can help to make your travels down our nation's roads and highways a healthier one. Now, folks, as a programming note, we'll be delivering a new episode of the Healthy Trucking Podcast each Tuesday through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Be sure to check this space each Tuesday for our next episode. And finally, everyone, let's stay safe and healthy out there as you work to keep the American economy on the move.